Die! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as he's in Montreal to call the Alouettes and Bombers Thursday night. We'll preview the action and remember Vin Scully as well with Derek. And then you'll hear more about the life and times of Demario Houston, Kelly Moore's Bomber player profile, coming up on the podcast. Football, tomorrow night, 24 hours away. Derek Taylor is in Montreal. He'll be calling the action, and he joins us now. Derek, how's your French? Uh, terrible. Is that terrible? Is that right? I'm, I'm yeah. blessed by all the people here in the fast food restaurants I've been to speaking English as well because uh, I, I, I was stuck on chicken sandwich. I, I, I had the poulet part, but I wasn't sure where the rest of it was going. Sandwich in French is just is just sandwich, so... Could have Are you serious? Uh, all right. All right. It's okay. You're going to be calling the game in English tomorrow. It's going to be no problem. So you've got a team that is 8-0 against a team that is not great, but is tied for second <laughs> in the East because, you know, someone has to be. We've talked, we talked before about trap game when they went into Edmonton. They didn't play well, but they still got the win. What would have to go wrong for Winnipeg to not win tomorrow? Uh, big plays, I think, would, would probably have to be the way. Like, Montreal, I don't see a ton of talent in, in Montreal, but but what we do see is uh, the guy filling in for William Standback, their superstar running back who was hurt in week one, is a kid from the University of Calgary named Jeshrin Antwi. And I believe he's the only running back with two carries of 50-plus yards this season. Like, he's had some big hits. He's not the greatest running back. He's not the fastest, but he's had a couple of big hits. And then on the outside, uh, Geno Lewis, number 87, I think is just a tremendous receiver. And you know what? You get him isolated on the wrong guy at the wrong time, and Geno Lewis can put up 150 yards in a blink. Uh, You know, something in the return game. They have a new returner back there, but something in the return game would would fare well for them. I don't know what their defense uh, brings as far as threats to Zach Kolaris and the offense uh, and to the offensive line and protection and such. Nick Usher can obviously do some stuff off the edge. But to me, it's it's going to have to be a bunch of big plays because when I think of a Trevor Harris offense, it's it's dink and dunk and short passes, you know, under eight yards, under nine yards downfield. And teams have tried that against the Bombers this season. And once they get the 20-yard line, the game's over for them because Winnipeg just shuts it down and now you're kicking field goals, and that's only going to be so effective if the Bombers are going the other way, giving the ball to Nick Dembski and having him score twice, and Dalton Schoen adding two more. So I, I feel like big plays are the, are the one thing that the Bombers have given up, and Montreal has the ability to make, and to me, that's kind of the only way this goes bad for Winnipeg. Jackson Jeffcoat is back in the lineup. Uh, the main change in the lineup is he comes in, Ricky uh, Walker comes in as well. Cedric Wilcox and LB Mack come out. Greg Allingson still out of the lineup and Malcolm Thompson on the six game injured list. That's your, your main takeaways from the depth chart. Just the way that the Bombers were able to handle the absence of Jeff Coat was pretty admirable, wasn't it? It really, it really was between Wilcox and Mack and Tiadric Hansen, you know, guys taking extra uh, rotation snaps, like, especially against Calgary, right? Jeff Coat is. You wondered, okay, I wonder if, if Jeff Coat can, can hurry and somehow be ready for what's a critical matchup. And it just didn't happen, but they got through it w- without him. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's been super impressive. And then you saw you mentioned on the depth chart they only have three defensive ends for this game, which normally they'd be four. Sometimes they've been five this season, but only one of the time have they had three defensive ends. So I, I looked at that and I'm like, well, what does that what does that say about what they expect from Montreal? And you know, maybe it is. Hey, maybe this isn't a game where where Jackson and Willie Jefferson and Tiadra Canson are going to get home and, and get to the quarterback. So maybe we need to stack it up in different places and bring Ricky Walker back onto the the depth chart. I think that'll be something I'm curious to see is how their how their rotations along the defense uh, go a little differently because you you I mean you watch those pass rushers right for a full game and they're just going full bore on these. 10 play drives. Oh, I got to chase this guy again. Oh my goodness. Well, now there's only three of them, so they can't rotate them all out. So how many three defensive tackle packages do they have? How much extra time will the depth linebackers get? I'm curious to see what, what Richie Hall and, and Mike O'Shea have in store for the Alouettes tomorrow. On the other side, you mentioned Trevor Harris, who was the quarterback to jour in Montreal because Vernon Adams Jr. is on the six game injured list now. Not that he was playing at before he got hurt it's been harris's team is does he still got it as a starting quarterback in the cfl i think he does i mean harris is harris is accurate passing the football and he's short depth of target so i i always kind of, i always did the reverse so i'll try to math this out i always said matt nichols was like 80 percent trevor harris so trevor harris is like 125 percent of matt nichols and so bomber fans may be able to relate to that like Trevor's had Trevor had a six touchdown game in a playoff game once, but eighty five percent of those yards came after the catch, right? So he he has a distinct style that he has harnessed, and and he used to be a you know valuable starter. And frankly, he was he was marching his team down the field for a win last week when he took a big shot from the the Hamilton safety Katzentonis and got pulled out by the injury spotter and. The next play pass was intercepted back at quarterback and, and ball games. I think Trevor Harris can get it done. I don't think he's surrounded by a ton of talent. I think is maybe the thing that would hold him back from maximizing what he can do. But I mean, if if you need a ball in the right place at the right time, Harris can absolutely still do it in my mind. We're gonna hear the audio from the players coming up after seven o'clock that uh, you heard in Montreal today. But one of the questions was the Bombers' ability to bring out their best against the best, with Zach Kolaris yeah. being named a top performer after each of his performances against the Calgary Stampeders. And, and the Bombers' offense, which has looked anemic in some games, scorched the Stamps twice, looked amazing in BC. Kolaris competed, completed seven passes against Edmonton. They squeaked them out against Ottawa, the game against Hamilton. I mean... I know they're not going to admit to it, but do you think the Bombers play up to the good teams and maybe play down a little bit to the lesser teams? I feel like we have eight games of evidence that that's the case, right? Like the the Toronto game in week number four, they they got a, a Winston Rose touchdown to kick it off. They scored one themselves, then kicked some field goals. And Toronto almost made this startling comeback, right? One score against Ottawa twice. That The win over Hamilton was two scores, but... Did you leave week three particularly convinced that this was a, a world-beating team we were watching? Not really. Then, yeah, then some straight, like, like to have put that Edmonton game in between the two Calgary games, it makes no sense, right? So I, I really, there's got to be something to that because Edmonton, Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto, 
aren't these confounding superstar defenses that should be able to to suffocate your offense, but they found themselves down. And for, what, the first time since 2019, a team won a game completing only seven passes was Winnipeg in that win over Edmonton. It's it's really strange. Like, let me ask you, when we went when we were going into last week's game in Calgary, did did you think that that performance was was waiting the Bombers into that game coming off the Edmonton game? Hard to say yes to that, but at the same time, <laughs> you knew that the Bombers were probably going to 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 rise. I was surprised. I will say this much that they just had so many opportunities to score touchdowns on fairly deep plays. Right, those like mid plays where they hit Dalton Schoen on a rope, but Zach Kolaris, I mean, he's the reigning MOP, and he showed it. Yeah, in that game against Calgary. But I think the one thing we learned more than anything in that game is just you got to score touchdowns against the best teams, right? The Bombers did it, and exactly. they settled for too many field goals. I, I love that you said. I love that you said it, and I love that you said it that way because Doug and I mentioned it during the game. Like, hey, congratulations on all these drives, but your two touchdowns, or pardon me, your two field goals. Winnipeg just needed one drive, and they've already got the lead over. You're, you have two great drives. Winnipeg had one, and they have the lead. Like, teams, there's going to be a point, okay, I say this, hoping that coaches all of a sudden get more aggressive in spots because it would warm my heart for the future of football. But teams are going to have to stop kicking field goals against the Bombers if their offense is, is, is working because, yeah, I mean, Edmonton, hey, these are three fantastic drives, and here's a fourth one. And they got 10 points out of four great drives and commanding the, the time of possession. And, uh, you know, what was it? What was the two and a half times as many plays on offense as the Bombers had? But they lost that game 24 to 10 because not in the end zone. So, yeah, it's 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 it, the season's a puzzler in spots, isn't it? Well, part of it is a credit to the Blue Bomber defense, because as you mentioned, once teams get down into the scoring area, the Bombers just put the clamps down. And they're just so hard to, to be beaten, uh, though the Stamps did get in a couple times, but they're a really good team. And so we, we look at yeah. Montreal the next two weeks, the home and home. And I, and I know we mentioned it a couple weeks ago when we were talking. You don't want to look too far ahead, but a real chance to go into the bye week at 10 and 0. Yeah, absolutely. And how great, how great would that feel, right? And that's one of the things why I was saying. This is the biggest week eight game of all time against the Stampeders because Winnipeg, just on the surface, should beat Montreal twice. Who knows what actually happens when when athletes get out there and go. But by all rights, Winnipeg should beat Montreal twice, 10-0 into the bye week. And you go, okay, they, they have, what, only three road games in the final eight. So that's real, that's real nice. They've already got Calgary off their schedule twice. And one game against BC off their schedule. Their their second half schedule is certainly easier than what their first half has been. At least I would say at least a little bit easier than their first half has been. Uh, and they're going to find themselves things if things go right in this hypothetical where they are ten and zero into the bye. They're going to have options in the second half of the season with guys who are injured, like Ellingson, like Jeff Coat, like blah blah blah. Name it here. Is there pressure to get Brandon Alexander back any fat any faster? Well, not if you're 13 and 0, or if you're 12 and 1, and you're still three games clear in the division, you you start to have a lot of options, and you can really be primed for another run in the playoffs. Which, you know, if you're if you're starting to to position players for the playoffs, you've already clinched that home playoff game. How great would that be? There's 
this fantastic start and, and road heavy start has been great for them in ways that, that we won't really see until two months from now. But uh, they've laid a real solid foundation for another great run this year. Can't let you go without asking you about the great Vince Scully as a play-by-play ah. voice yourself. Uh, we're going to hear some of his best calls coming up uh, in the next hour of the show. But just your thoughts on an all-time legend. I he's he was unbelievable like i remember him as a kid and i remember as an adult i remember his last game and then he started doing videos from home where he would just tell stories and and baseball just has a certain cadence to it where you need to be really good and really interesting and vince scully was just the master now now booths broadcast booths are two people or three people or three plus one on the on the ground or three plus two on the ground because we need we need something to keep us interested, right? We're we're very different than we were 30 years ago as as a people and as a, as a group of sports fans. But but Vin was just it's it's late night because he's on the West Coast and he's telling you a story about I ran into Eric Karras when I was shopping with my lovely bride, and you're like, wow, this guy is unbelievable. Because we all have an uncle or a grandfather who was a great storyteller, and, and that's kind of what for me. Vin Scully was. I didn't, you know, ultimately I didn't see a, a, ton, a thousand LA Dodger games, but just knowing that someone could be that good uh, at this job is, it was just an absolute joy. When I was a writer at TSN back in the late 90s, 2000s, when I would get the late night baseball game and it would be Vin Scully and he's telling stories about Mike Piazza on the other side of the break. It was just, it was incredible because you never felt like you were missing everything. And you felt like you were getting a, it was just like a warm hug, Vin Scully's voice. So uh, him passing away yesterday was just, it's, it's a loss. One, because of the man himself, but two, it's an era of sports entertainment that it'll never be back again because we just changed so dramatically. Uh, but man, it was great while we had it. Well said, Derek. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. And we'll hear you on the call, call tomorrow night. Thanks, brother. time now for the bomber player profile because every week kelly moore cgob sports director puts together a wonderful look at a member of the blue bombers you hear this profile during the pregame show ahead of blue bomber games and if you miss it well you're in luck because i'll play it on my show the following week it's usually on a tuesday but this week it was you know no show monday thursday tuesday show is shorter didn't really have space for it it's a logistics thing but you're gonna hear it now a night before you hear the next one I get it. Okay, but whatever. We present to you now from this Saturday's, this past Saturday's broadcast in Calgary, Kelly's player profile about the life and times of defensive back to Mario Houston. It has been almost a year ago to the day when the unthinkable happened to Blue Bomber defensive back Demario Houston and his family. It's the evening of August 2nd, 2021 just a few days before a much-anticipated home and season opener versus Hamilton. Demario is here in Winnipeg as a practice roster player with the Bombers. He's on the phone with wife Ashley at the couple's home in Charlotte, North Carolina. During that conversation, a random drive-by shooting occurs in the usually quiet neighborhood where the Houstons have lived for the past two years. Over the phone, 
Demario is told by his wife, 12-year-old daughter Highland was struck by a bullet in her thigh while sleeping in bed. Another bullet just missed his 8-year-old son Jace. Through all of that, Ashley also has 6-month-old Campbell to care for. Only Demario Houston could possibly know the frustration, the panic, the helplessness that he was feeling hearing this take place over the phone while he was more than 2,600 kilometers away from being able to do anything. He was going to quit right then and there, but instead his wife told him to not give up on his dream, and eventually the family joined him in Winnipeg for the rest of the CFL season. Fast forward nearly 12 months later, and the first thing we need to know, how is Highland doing? Doing great, doing fine. She's, you know, bounced back. She has her moments where she's, you know, scared at night, you know, but I'm, I'm bringing them back with me and having them close to me, and she's, she's doing better with counseling and everything and just being around family and stuff. That's fantastic. Uh, I have to ask because they did come up with you. Did they get to a chance uh, to experience that Winnipeg winter uh, or at least a, a little bit of it before you went back home? Oh, yeah, we definitely did. Ooh, that, that's, that's totally different weather than we're used to. So, yeah, they experienced it and plan on experiencing, experiencing it again. That's because Demario has become a mainstay in the defensive secondary of the two-time defending Grey Cup champion. Now the BC 50 and 40 and 30 and corralled is Demario. Houston by the neck. Another tipped interception for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Ball on the ground, and Demario Houston has it, and it's Bomber football. Demario Houston grew up in Shelby, North Carolina. It's about a 75-minute drive west of Charlotte. And while the population of Shelby is just about 20,000, Demario has plenty of family there. Uh, my grandma, she had 13 kids. Um, my uncle, you know, he passed away a couple years ago rest in peace to him you know but um we we were just a you know a big family with, with a lot of athletes and we, all we came from is you know sports and you know my uncles you know played professionally some played professionally in college and everything and me and my cousins and you know we're trying to just follow in the same foot, footsteps as them and you know just trying to keep that legacy going. There are two powerhouse high school football programs in Houston's hometown. The Shelby Golden Lions, who Demario starred for, and the crosstown rival Crest Chargers, who his dad, Steve, played for. If you want to be honest, my whole family went to Crest, the rival school, and I was the only one to end up going again, going to the other school, Shelby. Um, me and my cousins, all my cousins went to Crest, and I was the only one at Shelby, and it was definitely a rivalry in, inside of the family, you know, at the dinner table as well. And, you know, it just made made the rivalry more special to me anyways. Well, Demario certainly held family bragging rights by helping to lead Shelby to a pair of state titles in his junior and senior years. From there, it was on to the Southern University Jaguars in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, coached by Dawson Odoms, one of his dad's former high school teammates. You know, he's from Shelby, and he gave me the opportunity. He also went to Crest with, with my dad and everything, and he just gave me the opportunity to, you know, come, and, you know, I'm grateful for that, and I thank him every day, you know, to lead me on this path where I'm going today. So I definitely appreciate him for everything that he's done for me. What were the highlights at Southern for you? My best memories, probably the Bayou Classic against Grambling, you know, getting to play in the Saints Superdome. On Thanksgiving weekend, national TV, so 
that that was just you know a great environment and just just a special moment you know what what you dream about is a, a young kid you know just playing on that big stage demario's final game for southern was a 37 to 28 loss to alcorn state december 1st 2018 Houston did not play another down of football until almost three years later when he made his pro debut October 15th of last year in the Blue Bombers' 26-16 win at Edmonton. The first couple months was, you know, pretty low for me. It was just a, a different life change for me, and, you know, I, I felt like I was at my lowest point, but, you know, I had to bounce back, and I had a, you know, degree, and so I put it into use. So I was, I became a security officer back um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that's where I, uh, I stayed. And but I still, you know, worked out and went to tryouts, and and then I eventually got picked picked up by Winnipeg that uh, the end of the 19 season. So I was just, you know, blessed. And but I just had to, you know, take a different route than others, and you know, just had to use all my other resources, and they. It worked out at the end. It certainly has. After getting into four games down the stretch last season, Houston made the roster right from the get-go in 2022. And the five foot ten, almost 170-pound speedster who has started the last five games at Boundary Corner never lost faith in himself. I definitely believe in my abilities, and you know, all I wanted was an opportunity, and Winnipeg gave me the opportunity. My coaching staff, they gave me the opportunity, and uh, Coach J.Y. and Coach Richie, they believed in me, and they gave me the opportunity to put me in that position where literally where we're standing, where I caught the interception against Calgary. Mitchell going for the end zone. Dropped. It's Winnipeg football. Demario Houston, and it's an interception for the Bombers. All I need is, you know, as an opportunity, and I'm definitely going to take advantage of it. Demario Houston has done that and then some to think how different it might have been just one year ago. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your